0: When I worked at this small church in Long Island, in Port Jefferson, we we had a series of organists. As you can imagine, it was a small job because there were only um, 200 and so in in church. We we had an organist at one point named Yi Chun Chen. Now Yi Chun was from China, and Yi Chun knew nothing about Christianity nothing. When Easter came along, she was totally confused. She'd gotten a hymn to play, Now the Green Blade Rises, and she was utterly, what does this mean? What is this Easter? Well, we tried to explain it, and we did okay, but eventually we just got down with each other to the very, very basics. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus loves all people and teaches us to do the same. And then we have this story from today's gospel where a mother comes to Jesus begging him to heal her little daughter. And Jesus is more than rude. Jesus calls her just about the worst name that anybody could call another person during that time. Jesus uses the D word, and he calls her a dog. Now, why they put this story in the Bible, we have to wonder, because Jesus does not call people ugly names. Jesus is not prejudiced. Jesus, we all know, is without sin. He was tempted as we are, but he did not sin. And scholars try to make this story not that bad. Well, you know, Jesus was calling her, you know, just a pet. Okay. As if that's any better. You're just a little dog. So, what's going on? Turns out Jesus is not just divine, Son of God. Jesus is also human. And being human, Jesus is a Jewish man living in first-century Palestine. And being a human being, Jesus has a brain, just like all of us. And just like any human brain, Jesus' brain has a cortex, the largest part of the brain for reasoning and thinking. Jesus has a cerebellum, The older part of the brain for coordination and balance. And then Jesus has the oldest part of the brain, the limbic system, with the thalamus and the hypothalamus and the hippocampus. And you've probably heard about the amygdala. We heard about the amygdala? This is the part of our brain that is the oldest, that is the survival. Mechanism. Neuroscientists are learning more and more about this part of the brain that is for memory and emotion, particularly to warn us of a threat. So this survival mechanism takes in the complexities of the world and in a split second categorizes that into what is threatening and non-threatening. Safe, not safe. Be afraid, don't be afraid. It's going to eat me, I can eat it. Friend, foe. So it happens in a split second that we're sorting, our brains are sorting these things, and it was really important in that split second, especially when we were cavemen and women, to be able to do that. But our brain still does that. We still sort people. Into friend and foe. Threatening, safe. And where does our amygdala get its information from of what's threatening and what's not threatening? You can well imagine that it's the stuff in the air, the cultural things and stereotypes that we live and breathe, the stereotypes that tell us that Muslims are terrorists, and that black men with hoods are up to no good, and that rednecks are, by definition, racist. All of this stuff gets inside of us, into our subconscious, and even though we don't know these are in us, and we know that we are better than that, and that it can't be, it just can't be, because we're good people and we work for justice. We can't be infected with that prejudice. But the truth is that we are. All human beings with a brain are. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, the great black African Episcopal, priest who was a champion to end apartheid black discrimination in South Africa tells of a time when he was traveling internationally and it was a stormy day and he was boarding a plane and he got a glimpse of the pilot and the pilot was black and he said my friends in that second, I wished he were white. He said, it had been so embedded in me that I was afraid that a black man would not be able to fly that plane safely. So Jesus had a brain And raised as a Jewish rabbi in first century Palestine, he was raised in a culture where men were superior to women. So it was thought and acted upon, and everyone believed it. And Gentiles, the non-Jews, were unclean. And Israel was the promised land. Where God resided. So when Jesus goes on vacation, because that's what Jesus is doing, it's Labor Day for Jesus. Okay? Jesus gets to rest from his work. He has gone to another country, to the beach. That's where Tyre is, it's on the beach. And he's hiding out all of the pressures of being the savior of the world. And here comes this woman to his house. To his house. To his vacation place, hotel. Begging him. Begging him to work. Now she's a woman. She's not Jewish. And she's not from Israel. And in that split second, it comes out of Jesus' mouth. I came for Jews only. Not dogs. And this is not the Jesus we know and love. Jesus would never say anything like that. And yet, he does. Our Syrophoenician woman also has a brain. And her frontal cortex is fast and sharp. And she holds up Jesus' prejudice right to him. She says, you called me a dog. You just used the D word on me, Jesus, man of God. You know what? Even the dogs get crumbs. You're going to deny me a crumb? She shows Jesus what he just said. Really, man of God? Really? I love what Professor Will Gaffney says about her. She says, This nameless woman is a Christ figure. She is the one who humbles herself and will endure whatever is dished out to her in order to bring about healing and new life. In this instance, she is the rabbi who teaches Jesus the value of all human life she is the prophet who preaches the reign of God for all God's children. She is the one who transforms Jesus into the true Savior of the whole world. So thanks be to God that this is in the Bible because there is so much truth about our humanity and there is so much hope because Jesus He has ears and he listens. Jesus also has a cortex and a neocortex that allows him to move beyond that automatic response. We are not bound by our implicit bias. When we know it's happening, when we become aware, then, We can choose to take responsibility for our actions. Scientists say that we're, neuroscientists say, we're never going to get rid of that implicit bias. But our brains are amazingly adept at choosing how we respond what we will do. The woman who wasn't worth his time becomes the one who opens Jesus' heart, his eyes, And the next generation is healed. The little daughter, not washed up on a beach, but alive in her mother's arms. And after this, Jesus goes right into Gentile territory, as Eric told us last week. And he continues to heal Gentiles. And then... We have another story of feeding of the masses of the 4,000, and Bible scholars were like, why are there two of these feeding of the 5,000? It must be a mistake. There's one feeding the 5,000, and then a few chapters later, there's a feeding of the 4,000. Well, my friends, the first feeding of the 5,000 happened in Israel. Where does the feeding of the 4,000 happen? With the Gentiles. There's all of this healing going on. It is such good news. We've had a lot of anniversaries in the last couple weeks. Ten years since Katrina. And those blackest parts are not back. They're not thriving. Ferguson, a year later, we saw protests. Violent response, and we shake our heads. Did we learn anything? In Hungary, no Muslims allowed, they're a threat to our Christian way of life. Thanks be to God for the peaceful protests in Baltimore. There is so much hope for us in the midst of all of this. There is so much hope. We have brains. And we have to let our brains do their job. We have biases. As long as we recognize that we do and we don't bury them As often, white liberals have a tendency to do. We can control them, and we can choose to respond with compassion. Like Jesus, we can listen to those who are different from us. Black lives matter. And some want to shrink back and say, well, all lives matter. Well, of course all lives matter. Hello? But Jesus came to say, women matter. And the sick matter. And all who have not mattered, all whose lives haven't mattered, matter. Even lepers matter. Women's lives matter. Children's lives matter. Gentile lives matter. Like Jesus, we can be healers too of sons and daughters. And I don't know all of the choices, all of the politics that needs to be made so that we can all function with compassion and form positive relationships for justice but I have a sense of what that healing might look like. It might look like Munich this morning or yesterday with 4,000 Muslims arriving in Germany and getting food and water and clothes and toys I think it looks like that German volunteer holding up that little daughter, that Muslim little girl, and her laughing and smiling and the crowd cheering. That's how I see the kingdom of God. That's what I would say to each one. Jesus loves Everyone. And we are called to love everyone. That is the kingdom of God. Amen.